Okay, here's the big one, Graham. Okay. The big Mass fish. Effect 2. Mass Effect 2. Uh, what's a good joke? <laughs> oh, no, I got the hiccups. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Ah! Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, the Velvet Room Review. I'm Matthew. I'm Graham. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking extensively, in great detail probably, about Mass Effect 2. Mm-hmm. So, Graham, what did you think of Mass Effect 2? So, um, I really enjoyed it. Like, overall, I thought it was pretty fantastic. Now, no. Graham, it's, it's called one of the greatest video games of all time. Would you concur with that statement? Oh, that's a big statement. Um, <laughs> it is. See, like, it's a really good game, yes. And it, but I think part of it is that it builds on the first one really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of, like, games in the top games of all time. Um, so, like, that's a tough one, but, like, what I can say is that I've written more notes for it than probably most of the other games we've played combined. Um, so, it's... I'd say it's up there. I'd say it deserves to be up there at the very least. Absolutely. Um, it is a... It's a beautiful game. It, it's it got character. It's got humor. It's got emotion. Um, it's got action. It's got all the beats of a good story a good adventure and it, it gets into a little bit more of um it kind of breaks away from the old one like we we mentioned our mass effect podcast the old one is kind of like you know your standard sci-fi this really breaks it up and you're looking at a more colorful universe but also a bit of a darker universe as well um the galaxy is a bit more rugged in this one you know you're dealing with lots of mercenaries and criminals rather than like the citadel Um, it's it's almost a bit more like an ocean's 11 interesting oh i never thought about that before interesting option or idea now the biggest difference between this game and the first game is that instead of tracking somebody down you're building a team for a really dangerous mission and Mm -hmm. the game is almost entirely recruiting characters and um, learning more about them. And uh, it's genius because this game, the game has a genius mechanic where those characters can die if you don't do things properly. Um, And so the game really, A, it it forces you to get to know them in in some sense, Um, but it also makes them all equally, with one exception, strong characters okay i'm curious as to hear what the exception is jacob yeah jacob's the exception yeah and every he's a, yeah he's a bit of a just yeah he, that's he, about it he's caden 2.0 yeah that's and, a good way of putting it and and similarly like the last game right Jacob and Miranda are your paragon and your renegade all over again, right from the mm-hmm. start. You know, you got Jacob who is more by the books, 
he's not full like evil like Cerberus is and Miranda's not quite either but she's a bit more pro you know Cerberus than than Jacob is at the start but um it yeah it reflects like it's a bit more not muddied well I guess maybe muddied in terms of the morality there yeah well the nice thing about Miranda is that you can change her mind over time um you know um at the start of the game she's she kind of doesn't question the elusive man's methods but later on in the game she's like i find it hard to believe believe the elusive man would have done this um or this doesn't sound right to me hmm. and that kind of like that so starts to sow the seeds of doubt a little bit in 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 her mind as to what cerberus is which is interesting i hadn't really thought of that and in particular with um jack's jack's mission uh, where you go back to her home home base type thing. Um, True. You know, Miranda makes a few comments, because I took Miranda around with me quite a bit about, you know, it's hard to believe that this was Cerberus, blah, blah, blah. Um, what I really, really loved about what this game does, though, at the end of every mission, it gives you a little mission overview. And they give a little mission summary, a little type summary, and that type summary is in the perspective of the elusive man. Mm-hmm. So the lucid man would type like, "Oh, Jack's building has been destroyed. All of it is wiped out. Um, but some research was received, or re, you know, whatever. Our our goals are advancing, and it's like, you know, the elusive man is trying to spin like Cerberus is just pro-human, but in those little mission reports, you can see something that's a little bit more sinister there, and and you as the player realize, okay, there 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 are they are a little bit questionable. Yeah." No, there's, yeah, those were cool because they were very kind of clinical. Mm-hmm. It was very detached. It was a neat kind of perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And I like I like the Elusive Man as a character. He's a good um, boss, you know? <laughs> like, he's a good boss character. Um, see, I can't see anything but Martin Sheen <laughs> when I see the Elusive Man because especially... Like, I grew up watching The West Wing, where he was the president. Did you gr- How old are you, Graham? What? <laughs> the West Wing's a pretty adult show for somebody of your age to be watching when they were growing up. Yeah, but, I don't know, we watched it, like, I guess, maybe like grade 7, 8, okay. something like that. Okay, so you, you just see him as the president of the United States. <laughs> kind of. Well, just like whenever I hear his voice, it's it's Martin Sheen. It's it's hard to separate that from the elusive man. Yeah. And see, I I, I kind of have it in reverse. Um, I I see Martin Sheen as the elusive man. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Because I did, I wasn't really exposed to Martin Sheen much before this, but he's a great he's a great actor. He does a very good job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's there's so much to talk about with Mass Effect Two. Where do you want to start? Um, why don't we, hmm, that's a good question. Why don't we start with the characters? Okay. Okay. So, um, there were a lot of characters. Including DLC characters. In squad mates alone, there were 12 options to choose from. Okay. Which is a lot. That's a lot. That's double. I guess I had. That's double. Yeah, that was... That actually kind of really 
caught me off guard um, because I figured, okay, like it's the first game at six and that was a good squad size because you got to use all of them once or twice. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, we're only halfway there and we we have to collect six more squad members. Mm -hmm. and, And I think, you know, you made a good point there. The biggest downside to this game is that you really don't have an opportunity to play all the characters or have all the squad mates in a mission unless you're consciously, like, constantly swapping them out. Yeah. And uh, I don't know about you. I kind of... I did my best to swap them out, but I I definitely fell into a routine of, like, oh, I'll take these two or those two. Yeah. Um, So who did you use the most, would you say? I think the the two that kind of were my... My final team were Morden and Thane. Interesting. Thane, okay. Morden's yeah. great. I love Morden. Morden is fantastic. His incinerate? Oh, yup. <laughs> and uh, just his little quips, too. Like, oh, you, you didn't think I would do that or something like that. Yeah, I like I like Morden. He's got the uh, the spunk and, and, the, and the smarts. And the confidence, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would kind of swap between Miranda, Garrus, uh, and Morden. I, I kind of swap between those three. Okay. Um, yeah, Miranda and Garrus, I took more to take down shields, stuff like that, with their overload. And then Morden was there for the armor support, um, which was pretty big with the collector missions. So. Yeah, I definitely. Um... Well, Thane also has warp, mm-hmm. so like that was useful. Miranda definitely was; she would probably be my third choice yeah. often, mm-hmm. um, just because she had the ability to take down shields and then warp. and the ability to armor. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's just so much to talk about. Whew. Okay, uh, who'd you romance? Uh, <laughs> okay, this is an interesting one. Okay. Um. This is, this is, so, um, I ended up romancing Tally. Yes. Nice. Good choice. Okay. Good choice. So. Let me guess. Let me guess. You didn't start out that way. Well, kind of. Yeah. So (laughs) what happened was, um, we, like for the first half of the game, there's not really any interests. Um, and then I was like. Oh, you can you can get Tally as a character. That was cool because I like I kind of wanted to romance Tally in the first game, but that wasn't an option. Okay. Um, and so we got to Ilium, where you find Liara, and she's <laughs> you walk in the door, and she's telling someone that she's going to flay them or something mm. like that, mm-hmm. flay them with her mind, and I was like, oh. Okay, Liara's changed a little bit. Now, you know the nice thing about that scene, Graham? What? She says she says word for word what her mother said in um in Novaria, where she says, um, have you ever faced an Asari commando unit before? Few humans have. And that's exactly what Matriarch Matriarch Benezia says to you. Just a little tidbit for you. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's very kinda of like she's gone down this path. See, I always took it more as she's acting. Okay. That's how I took it. 
but I can see how you can take it that way for sure. And and even Shepard kind of goes, whoa, <laughs> was that about flaying people? Yeah. So. Um, Sorry, so, I didn't interrupt. Interrupt. No, no worries. No worries. So, I was kind of like, okay, that's that's a little, that's a bit much. Um, and then I had the opportunity, like Tally is a party member, and my shepherd eventually ended up romancing Tally. Mm-hmm. And then I oh, look. Yeah. And then I realized all of the subtle ways that the game tried to make you feel like a jerk for doing that. Continue. So the first thing I saw was that in your room, you have a picture frame. um, And it was picture frame of Liara. um, And because I romanced her in the first game. Mm -hmm. And then once you start dating a different character, the picture frame is face down. Yep. <laughs> and I can't remember I can't remember what else there was. But there were I just remember there was lots of little subtle things, especially once we got to the Shadow Broker mission. Um yep. it uh Yeah, but I yeah, my shepherd had the romance with Tally and that was cool. See my first playthrough I started romancing Jack. Okay. Interesting choice. I know. Uh, and you're like working through it and we're making progress. And then late in the game, Tally shows up. I'm like, hey, Tally, how's it going? And we're like reconnecting. And then she says something kind of flirty. I'm like, oh, oh, Tally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know. And you're like, and you, I could try to like try to go along with it for a little bit. And she's like, that sounds great, Shepard, but maybe you should talk to Jack first before we go any <laughs> further. And I'm like, all right, that seems, you know, that's a little reasonable. Thanks, game, for making me do this. So I go down, boop, 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 talk to Jack, and Jack does not take it well. Oh, no. Jack stopped talking to me in my first game. Every time I went down to talk to her after I told her I'm, I was leaving her for Tally, uh, she would tell me to F off. That's fantastic, though. It is. And it worked out fine because Tally and I were in love, so it was meant to be. Uh, and this particular game, though, um, I, I romance Miranda. Okay. Because I thought, you know, racist chick human was my, you know, kind of my niche compared to last. You know, with last game I did Ash, I, I dated Ashley. In this game, I decided to date Miranda. Mm-hmm. And that was actually quite nice. I didn't, I don't, I didn't really like Miranda very much in my older playthroughs but uh she started to grow on me a little bit cool yeah actually just one quick thing i accidentally Uh-oh. which seems to be a thing of my my shepherd okay um i accidentally um started down the romance path with jack okay. um okay and then i started dating tally yeah and so jack also was not too impressed <laughs> Uh, poor Jack. Hasn't she been through enough, Graham? Yeah. <laughs> um. During the final mission, um, oh, there's no. a there's we're not gonna get into that yet, but there's a part where you can send one of your party members back. Oh no. Um, because don't tell me. Um, to like take care of people. Yeah. And so I sent Jack back. No, why would like, you do that? No, because I was like, mm. oh, you didn't trust. I don't know her. how she's gonna 
do uh, in terms of like with the party. I see. So. I see. Man, oh, I can't wait to talk about the final mission with you. Oh, okay. All right. Um, who's your favorite then? Favorite character? Yeah. Thane. Thane's very interesting. Yes. Um, he's one of the new, the newly introduced races, which I liked. The Drell. They have a very interesting lore. Um, and he's kind of like a very religious man who's also like crazy murderer. I mean, crazy assassin. Um, but he's dying and he's a father. And he's got all these different components that really make him a compelling character. Yeah. He was definitely like... He really caught my attention as soon as he like came into the story. Um just with like he said, oh he's said a prayer and Shepherd asks, Why are you praying or whatever? And he said, Oh, that wasn't for her, that was for me. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, it's he was probably just he was such an interesting character. I just wanted to learn everything I could about him and his um he had that really interesting way of telling stories mm, like his he's like reliving his memories basically yeah yeah and that's that's kind of what Thane is right he's an old dying man remembering the failures of his life you know um mm-hmm. and that's what his loyalty mission's about is about his son um and, and saving his son from that life um and it's it's really impactful um Plus, he's got a cool design. He looks cool. Yeah, and a really interesting voice, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, he's basically like a fish, pretty much. Basically, mm-hmm. sort of, yeah. Or like, more like a lizard, I guess. Maybe a mix of both. Yeah, because he was from, like, an arid planet. Yeah, he wasn't was. He? Yeah, and then when they, when they go... Because uh, his planet basically gets... It's either nuclear winter or something like that. And the... A, a, a number of his people are saved by the Hanar, and the Hanar planet is literally just all water. So because of that, they develop illnesses, and he develops an illness where his like his lungs don't function properly. Oh, and okay, it yeah. Kills him over time. Yeah. So, yeah, Thane's a good one. I would I would probably say it's hard. Um, aside from like Garrus, who is you know, he's my bro. He's Garrus. Um, yeah. Morden's up there. Yeah. Um, I I I particularly like Morden's loyalty mission because he said something in the mission that really changed my perspective that I'd never picked up on before. His mission's all about um, the Genophage, and he was modifying and updating the Genophage because uh, the Krogan were adapting a little bit. And um, you know, there's talk of is this ethical? Is this moral? Blah 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 blah. And um he makes a really good point to say, well, all the genophage really is, is a countermeasure to the lack of hostile environment outside of Tuchanka for the Krogan. Cause Tuchanka is this basically like planet that's trying to kill you. Like the conditions are so extreme that the Krogan's evolved in such a way where they're constantly being killed basically. Um, but once they were ascended out of Chuchanka, they just bred like crazy because there was no hostile environment to keep their numbers down. And so mm-hmm. the Genophage is just this 
mathematical correction to keep the population stable. And I never had seen it like that before from that perspective of it's just, you know, we're correcting, air quotes there, we're correcting the balance back to what it used to be. You know, we're not trying to destroy the race, we're trying to protect its population. Yeah, and they, from what I gathered, they felt a certain amount of responsibility because they were the ones that introduced the Krogan to the galaxy, perhaps before their time. Yes, yeah, um, in order to deal with Arachni. Yeah, um, and well, even even more than himself, like, that's his life's work. You know, um, his famous line in the community is like, had to be me, somebody else might have gotten it wrong. And that's, you know, that's more than to a T. He's like, you know, it, it, you have to be so careful when you're modifying this genophage because any alterations one way or another could kill the whole race. And that's no good because that's genocide. <laughs> and we and we don't want that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, the genophage itself is a very interesting concept because you have this race of um, so the species of people who are, you know, pretty murderous. Um, not to be general, generalize it, but, you know, the very uh, strong military strength um, that could easily overwhelm the galaxy. So is it right to to keep it in balance, you know, without their consent, almost? Um, they kind of treat the Krogan like animals, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's but that's the way the Krogans evolved, right? They're very, um, there's a lot of Krogan clans, and uh, they're constantly bickering and fighting with each other. And that's, and that's Rex's role in the story is that he's trying to unite the clans to stop them basically from killing each other yeah from wiping themselves out right you know rex is trying to implement change for the positive um where the genophage is really trying to just keep things normal or the same um yeah yeah so now i'm, I'm curious what happens if rex dies so if rex dies um a new character is introduced uh, and you actually may have, you may meet him in this game or the next one. Um, it's his brother. Uh, okay. Yeah, Reeve. And he's he's much more against humans than Rex is. Um, one thing I love about this game is that when you show up to, to see Rex, he's like, Shepard, my friend. And he gives you a big bear hug. I'm like, thank you, Rex. Finally, someone's excited to see me. Yeah, because... Caden or Ashley gives you the cold shoulder. Ugh. I'm actually kind of surprised that Ashley would give you the cold shoulder. I know, right? That's that is one of the biggest like indecencies of the game. Ashley should be have been so Cerberus, you know, gung ho about Cerberus. It would have made perfect sense with her character, but with the limitations that they had of all the choices, they just I ah, will put them in one side mission, and now ah, they hate you or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, who cares about Ashley, anyways? <laughs> I don't. Mm-hmm. And um, Liara's not back. Well, she's kind of back, but not really. Not yeah, yet. I wish they would have utilized her a bit more. Um, I mean, the game's so massive in scope already, but there isn't much to talk about with Liara, Rex, or Anderson past their initial little no introduction, um, which is too bad. But. Yeah, I was 
Anderson especially, you just kind of have one conversation with him, and then that's it. Yeah, and he was so critical to the first game as well. Yeah. Now, I got a bone to pick with this game, Graham. Okay, I'm Ma- interested. Mass Effect 1, right? Yes. I'm killing the council. I don't care about them. They're jerks. Oh, Udina, I want you. You know what you're doing. Also, I want all humans on the council. Thank you very much. Um, and that's what happens. And in the, in the opening crawl, it's like an all-human council. Um, we're building up the military. We're ruling the galaxy. And you know what? I go to see the council. And you know what Anderson says to me? Oh, they don't want to see you because you killed the old council. And I said, excuse me? Why would a all-human council not want to meet the savior of the Citadel? Who put them in power? Yeah, I mean, I can see it both ways. I can see it if they were... If they were, um, like, Asari, Turian, Salarian counselors. That makes perfect sense to me. You know, you killed the old council, and they don't really trust you, so they don't want to see you. But an all-human council? Excuse me, yeah. you're, you're important to me, sir. And uh, I look forward to seeing what happens in Mass Effect 3, because uh, I have words to speak with them. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It It is a little frustrating, because you go to them for help. And then they're still like, hmm. Oh, yes. But was that really a Reaper? Classic. Ah, yes. Reapers. (laughs) And it's... it's Like, in the first game, you can understand it. Absolutely. Like, I remember you you gave the explanation in one of our deleted scenes um, of... um, Oh, what was it? The Reapers were basically an imaginary threat to them. They were this legend. They didn't exist. Well, Why you, should... You, and Shepard's this raving... Lunatic, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, well, their point, and it's a correct point, is that, like, listen, we don't have the evidence for this. And and our decisions affect everybody. And I can't... We can't just base that off of what you think. You know, because what you're talking about is, you know, a huge, huge thing. So it kind of, in the first game, makes sense. But after, you know, a Reaper comes and destroys half the citadel fleet and almost takes over the citadel to kind of dismiss it is a little frustrating for sure Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens in the third one Mm -hmm. you're in for a ride my friend (laughs) all right um what do you think about legion legion i did not see coming Uh and I was that was so exciting. Legion basically kind of blows up the Mass Effect world as as you know it, because everything you think you knew about the Geth turns out to be not true, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because we learned that the Geth actually had a bit of a divide over helping Saren, and only like five percent of them went with Saren. Yeah, which is which is huge because then the rest you realize aren't evil killing machines. They're just they just they didn't agree, right? Um, and and Legion's just so interesting because you learn so much more about the Geth and how they think and how they see themselves as individuals or platforms. Um, and his loyalty mission is equally interesting. Uh, do you mm-hmm. remember what you did there? Yeah, it was the assimilate or destroy Mm -hmm. so you could rewrite 
basically what's happening is the heretics are trying to create a device that will rewrite the non-heretic uh, thought process to agree align with the reapers and you go to destroy that and you have the option to rewrite the heretics into the original or the the, the rest of the geth as in like the reapers are bad or you could just destroy it and leave the heretics be and what did you do graham oh wait you could destroy it and destroy all the heretics um oh you could destroy their base i guess does that include all the heretics i guess i'm so. pretty sure it was implied that it was like there were thousands and thousands of them in the yes that's true the servers and, and that would make sense because at the start of the game you, re, you like your your mission is to you know you're hunting down the geth so that makes sense so yeah. you are basically killing the rest of the heretics so i decided to have them assimilate graham you're evil you know that this is this is actually something i've i've been wanting to kind of talk about is that i did the paragon path but I made a lot of renegade choices. Mm -hmm. um, like, and to me, that is definitely evil. Like, that's that's the wrong choice from a moral standpoint. That? Because basically, like Legion, Legion says it's kind of like a math error in their thinking. You know, our our process comes to point one two three. Theirs comes to point one two three four, and that's that's the shift there. So all we're really redoing is rebalancing the math. But, like, the Geth have made a decision, you know, a consensus together, uh, and a, they've made their choice, basically. So to then take that choice away from them, it's as evil as what they wanted to do to the rest of the Geth. So, and so it's better to destroy them? Yes, because they made their choice. I guess I just don't see, like, it's one of those questions that doesn't have a good answer. Actually, I've been meaning to send you... There's an old extra credits video that talks about Mass Effect 2 Ooh. and this this particular mission. Well, here's the thing. Like, because they were going to do it to all the other Geth, right? And we would agree that's bad, right? Oh, they are going to rewrite all the other Geth to agree with the Reapers. That's bad, right? Mm -hmm. So why is it not equally as bad that they we are going to rewrite them to agree with us? The only difference is we don't want to destroy the universe, right? We're not the Reapers. Mm -hmm. It's the idea of, like, a, there's a very, there's an illusion going on here of assimilate or destroy with, like, religious, like, religious ideals, too. Yeah, ex exactly. To me, it's, it's, if we, if we assimilate them all, we're taking away their right to choose, right? And I guess this, this kind of becomes more into, like, a, synthetic versus organic life debate of what free will do they really have but it's it's to me it's more paragon to destroy them because they are hostile enemies to the peace of the galaxy and they and they made their choice and they and they can't they won't change their mind mm -hmm. but of course luckily for me it's a renegade option in my renegade playthrough so i did it anyways uh, well i destroyed them but I also agree with that choice. Like, we should destroy them. Well, the Renegade was to assimilate, wasn't it? No, it's to destroy. Renegades to destroy? Paragons to assimilate? I believe so. I'm going to double check. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's to destroy. Hmm. 
And it was interesting because um, you can throughout the mission kind of ask Legion, like, Legion, what, what do you yeah. want to do? And he's like, uh, we're still trying to come to a consensus. To me, that right there even proves further that it's wrong to overwrite them because they're trying to make the decision right themselves, but they are equally balanced. Yeah, I'd say it's also wrong to destroy them all just because of an idol. Like, if you think about it, you're destroying them because of an ideological difference. No, you're destroying them because they're they're well, enemies. Well, you're destroying them because they're hostile and trying to kill you. That's that's my logic that they're enemy combatants, and that's what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me just see here. Um. Oh, it doesn't actually tell me which one's which. Hmm. It's it's likely though that I remember just watching this video about it, and I'm sure that w I think that assimilating was one of them was Paragon and one of them was Renegade, and the video was kind of saying, oh, that maybe both of them should have been Renegade. But I mean, they both kind of are. Um... Neither one of them is a rather Paragon thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. Like, to me, like, you're a soldier. So killing yeah. enemies is is what you do. So why are you being penalized for it? But I don't know. What are you going to do, you know? Mm-hmm. It's... It at least makes you think. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what's interesting about Legion? Is that you can wait to get Legion to go visit the council, and you can bring an act of Geth onto the citadel no way yeah and they freak out similarly you can bring you can bring him onto uh tally's loyalty mission <laughs> and then they really freak out uh, because tally's loyalty mission is that she is accused of bringing active geth into the fleet and so what does shepherd do but bring an active geth into the fleet <laughs> That's fantastic. It is fantastic. Oh, now I, now I wish I had done that. It's definitely uh, worth um, looking up like a, a guide or whatever to uh, to see ha what happens there. Yeah, but it's it's really uh, it's really interesting. Oh, I love it when they do stuff like that. Yeah, like I was kind of hoping like bringing Garrus back onto Omega that someone would notice, but no one really did. Mm. But uh, I remember after after you assimilate or destroy, like when we when I assimilated, Tally was not happy about that. Um, yeah, and for good reason. You make yeah, your well. See, get, Tally's like you're making our enemies stronger because she doesn't see that the Geth. Well, I mean, to her they are the enemy, right? But yeah, um, to us they're kind of like well, they're just. They're just another race, you know, trying to make their way in the galaxy. Which really puts a whole new light on the conflict between the Corians and the and the Geth. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's not really um, discussed too in-depth in the first game. Um, you basically just learn, well, they created the Geth, the Geth drove them out to get through all the evil. See, but really it's um and I, I don't know if this was their plan from the start or coming into mass effect 2 they said let's do something a little different with the geth but really it's just the geth are just in existence basically 
and and that's their uh penalty or and and that's their only crime is that they exist <laughs> mm-hmm. i remember that legion says he plays a recording of like the quarians and the the geth asks oh do i have a soul mm-hmm. and he said that the recording was significant not for it being the first time that it was asked, but it was the first time that the Koran was scared that they asked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of really good writing in the game. For sure. And, 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 and I mean, it's classic sci-fi, right? Like, oh, are, are synthetic beings truly alive? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with Tally... Uh, what was the, what was the result of your um, loyalty mission with Tally? Uh, she got, I like it was the positive response, so she got cleared of her charges. Okay. And I think, but she's still like Vast Normandy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I got like the good ending of it, like. I don't think, like every like I just I chose the blue option, right. So, I'm guessing you can go a different way. Um, well, there are a couple of things you can do if you don't pick the the blue or red options. You can either lie and and protect her father's name, and then she is ex- um, exiled, or you can tell oh, the truth. Really? If you tell the truth about her father, she actually doesn't uh, give you her loyalty. Oh, really? Yeah, so um, Renegade and Paragon are like the only options that will get you both results. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which I kind of like it. There, there's, an, there's another game that I talked about earlier called Shadowrun Dragonfall. And it gives you a lot more options to approach a situation rather than just the, the blue or the red dialogue choice. Mm-hmm. Which, because sometimes with the 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 charm option you know that that's going to be the best option hmm. um and i like it sometimes when you can reason through an argument or you have the ability to say something really intellectual but maybe you choose a different path because it's not appropriate for the situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, there weren't too many times in the game when i felt like i was just choosing the blue one so yeah yeah okay all right what about samara samara i'll be honest didn't really grab hold of me at all and i could see that um like especially because she was one of the last party members that i had got Mm -hmm. and at that part point i was starting to get a bit tired of all the party members like getting more party members and like i was doing their loyalty missions and that like it was starting to feel like a bit of a drag Mm -hmm. um so and then her (laughs) i liked how there was the little in her loyalty mission you could do some silly things like order everyone at the bar drinks or punch somebody out punch someone out or or dance. dance Which, whenever I see Commander Shepard dancing, it just, it's just fantastic. Everybody loves it. 
because he just does this like side shuffle like with his butt sort of out and his arms just kind of hovering in the air yeah <laughs> see i like i like samara's loyalty mission because it's the one that's probably the most different um and that there's like no combat no uh there's none at all it's all like role-playing basically um yeah, and it's interesting because you can actually replace Samara with her daughter. I was one. I was thinking about like, I was wondering about that. So that would be like the renegade option. Yeah, uh, pretty much. You can replace um, Samara with her daughter. So you kill Samara basically, and then she joins you in as acting as Samara. Yeah. And what's interesting actually is if you do that, you can um, <laughs> try and romance her. Oh no! And if you do that, uh, and you initiate like the romance option, she kills you. And you just get a game over. You get a game over. That's pretty fantastic. Which is, you know, it's that extra little work that they put in to make a good story. Like that's a great story to tell somebody. Like, oh, man, did you do this in Mass Effect? And you're like, what? I didn't know you could do that. Type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of things like that. Mm-hmm. Um. One thing that really struck me about this game compared to the previous one was the amount of humor. Yes, there's lots of good, quippy dialogue. Yeah, like um, on Ilium especially, had lots of very like biting humor. Um, one of with yeah, go ahead. Oh, you go. You go. Um, like the first Hanar Specter. <laughs> Blasto. Yeah. <laughs> blast though yep which which made me think back in one of our failed recordings we talked about the idea of a a hanar as a party member and how funny that would be it would be hilarious and now that just really makes me want a hanar member (laughs) what one of my favorite lines was in miranda's um loyalty mission Mm -hmm. um she when she finds out that there's that guy has betrayed her um she's like i'm sorry whatever your name is, I'm going to miss you. And then there's a Paragon option to, like, to stop her from shooting, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming you took. Yep. Yeah. I didn't. I let her shoot him. So she says, you know, um, I'm going to miss you. And then she shoots him. And then she goes, well, not literally. <laughs> which I thought was really <laughs> funny. That's fantastic. Or or when Shepard, um, there's a moment where you're going to get Thane, I think. And there's a guy, uh, there's a mercenary, and you're like, all right, you better start talking. And he's like, I'm not, oh, crap, I'm not going to tell you guys anything. I'm not saying a word. And then you get a renegade option, and you, like, basically kick him out the window, and he falls to his death. And Shepard goes, yes. how about goodbye? <laughs> there's some fantastic wits. I actually, I, I can't remember why, but I did replay that section so I could see that. It's just there's so many good little little moments like that um, with uh, with even Shepard. Like Shepard is a pretty witty character. Um, He's surprisingly. Yeah. And I guess one of the lines that I wrote down that, um, yeah, Shepard says or someone says to Shepard, you are dead. And he says, I got better. <laughs> 
And um, I'm sorry, it's so good. One one that Thane says, like Shepard says to Thane, "Don't blame yourself." I'm pretty sure it's to Thane, and he says, "If I don't, who will? Mm. You of all people should know the weight of your decisions." That's good. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. I was, I was kind of hoping that something would happen with the fact that I said that to, to every single one of them. Yeah. No, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, there is... There was just, like, a lot of, like, really good dialogue, but then also... There was there's a humor that wasn't necessarily present in the first one. You have it, yeah, it's fun stuff like yeah, it's it's actually it's fun. Yeah, yeah. There's the um, the Hanar Specter. There's the Krogan that is trying to do poetry. Oh yeah, to the girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, and it's oh man, you know what's great about that is if you convince like if you convince the Asari to like you know um date him again they show up on tuchanka yeah yeah they're there it's like that's great oh speaking of tuchanka did okay. did you headbutt the krogan uh i don't think i did no uh there's there's the krogan that's talking to rex um with rex there and then he's like gets upset because you want to put grunt through the trial or whatever and then when <laughs> he's over by the shaman you could just be you could just like have enough and you headbutt him because that's what you saw rex do earlier and then he kind of goes the current goes like ow like a little bit and then shepherd kind of just like shakes his head like kind of dazed and confused and the krogan just walks away <laughs> it's hilarious that's fantastic uh, yeah no there was yeah there was there was a lot of really fantastic humor and it, I don't know, it helped the world feel less grim, mm-hmm. but also, like, more real. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, Ilium as a whole really felt like a city. And, like, um, so did, oh, what was it called? Omega. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think it was Liara or someone said that like Omega and um, Ilium are basically the same place, mm-hmm. except Ilium just looks nicer. Yeah, for me it was Garrus that said that. Yeah, that would that would be it. Yeah, what I really like about this game as well is like the loading screens. They do such a good job of just like even just setting the atmosphere or like mm-hmm. reminding you where you are. Um, like the loading screens going into Omega or Ilium or the Citadel, they're like. Um, cinematics of you like flying into port or whatever but in between like oh i'm going up an elevator well here watch this elevator go up an ilium skyscraper and there's you know uh streetcars flying around and you know it's this bright purple colors and but on omega it's different it's these dark colors or even on the ship it's like oh look at this piece of the ship that we're gonna zoom in on or whatever stuff like that i'm like that's really cool they kind of give you that little bit of world building while you're waiting for something to load yeah, it was. That was a really nice little attention to detail thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? So. 
there were a lot of really just there were just a lot of really good missions like the whole game the game as a whole i can't think of a mission that stood out that was really kind of bad um yeah maybe like jacob's loyalty mission was kind of meh um but like as a whole the um the characters and like the the side characters like the the two engineers i always enjoyed going down there and oh, hearing yeah. what they had to say yeah yeah um and that's they really do a good job of that of fleshing out the normandy a bit more like even even when you're walking around the the crew will be like hey didn't you have a brother on freedom's progress and they're like yeah i did i haven't heard from him i'm like oh it's too bad man and stuff like that it's like okay these people have way behind this mission too um that was kind of yeah. neat yeah they gave they gave the normandy more life certainly um for sure so i guess one one thing that i was thinking about was that it's so neat that we can pretty much take any point of the game like or whether that's the characters or a mission or the, the world in general and go into it in detail and like i have memorable moments of like all of the missions and all of the characters and mm-hmm. for a game to have that much depth is really neat mm-hmm. now graham speaking of <laughs> yes did you uh did you probe uranus i'm sorry what <laughs> oh you can actually you... <laughs> so you can go into the the soul system and you, yes. can, you can go to uranus and you... oh my goodness and, and when the first probe Edie goes like really really shepherd <laughs> And, and then you do it again, and she's like, okay, probing Uranus. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I don't think I've been to the soul system. Like, I just continually miss it. Yeah, it's it's always fun to stop by. But, uh, oh, man. That's fantastic. No, I, there's... Uh, well, I think there's yeah. just so much, right? There's there's no way to um, really get it all unless you're like knowing what you're looking for. But um, uh. mm-hmm. and yet it's still like I played it for uh, around thirty hours, thirty to thirty-five hours, mm-hmm. and uh, which was longer than the average play time and stuff but mm-hmm. i took my time mm-hmm. uh, i did all the loyalty missions everything so um yeah there's just a lot of really interesting stuff and every single thing that you do goes into detail about something like the genophage or into a character's into a character's backstory or why they decided to do this or that and it's um just a fascinating amount of effort yeah it's it's um it's really an epic it's a space epic um and again every character you know with a few notable exceptions is is fun they're interesting and uh you you really care for them um so should we move on to 
I was just just one thing. Okay, go ahead. I'm curious, which characters did you not enjoy? Uh, well, Jacob, I mean, is kind of up there. Um, I don't mind. I didn't mind his loyalty mission actually all that much. Um, I just don't necessarily like him much as a character. Um, I think Samara is one of the weaker ones. Um, Zaid and Kasumi are. I mean, they're DLC characters, but there's not much to them either. Mm-hmm. Because they're DLC characters, um, but other than that, I think they're all pretty strong. Um, yeah. I'd agree. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're uh, they're all good. And, I mean, I care. Uh, I care. I care about most of them. Like, I, I like I like them all more than probably Caden or Ashley from the first yeah. game. So that's an improvement. And, okay. and 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 it's interesting because basically what. Bioware did with this game they kind of went like okay well in the first game you'd have like a few things that might carry over but in this in this game well all these characters are going to be in Mass Effect 3 unless you unless they don't make it through Mass Effect 2 which is like you know that's 12 different variations of of alive or dead and that's quite uh that's quite the the gamble as a it's from a development yeah from a development standpoint Oh yeah, for certain. So, um, I know we didn't really cover them all, but do you want to get on to the the suicide mission, or do you want to keep talking? I, I can I can tell that you you wanted to get in. I I'm down to talk about okay. it. Okay, did everybody survive in your suicide mission? Yes. Okay, that does not surprise me. Um, uh, did you know that they could die before you started the mission? I think yes, I knew that they could die. Because it was like the suicide mission. Okay. And like they were hyping it up, and I'm I'm I was pretty sure that it was like a permadeath kind of thing. Okay. Like a your choices matter moment. Got it. Got it. Um, not everybody made it out of mine. Oh no. Uh, at the very end, um, Jack and Tally, no sorry, uh, Legion and Tally get into a fight. Oh really? Oh, did you not do their loyalty? No, when you you do, if you do both their loyalties, they actually get into a fight. Did they not get in a fight for you? No. What? No. Oh, after you do both the loyalty missions, they get into a fight and they argue. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they get onto a fight on the Nor- Normandy. Yes, yes, that's what I meant. And um, I wasn't able to talk them down, unfortunately, and I had done everything. And the crew was in danger. And I was like, okay, I could either bum around trying to build up some renegade points to um, to take t- to tell Tally to calm down. Or uh, I could just go along with the suicide mission and see what happens. And I decided to go along with it. Because I felt like my shepherd wouldn't really care necessarily if somebody wasn't happy with him before he went on the mission. Okay. Uh, so... Can I, I also just want to say this. The suicide mission is probably the best finale to a video game ever that I can think mm-hmm. of. In its design, in its execution, and the variations of what can happen. Um, the choice that it gives you and how to partake in the mission as well. Um, for example, if you don't upgrade your ships, people are dying. If you choose the wrong person for the wrong task people are dying so um what i did was the first task you need an engineer to go through the vents and i chose tally 
because Tally is the best engineer you can choose. Uh, and she gets through that just fine. But at the cutscene where we're, you're trying to close the doors, she sticks her head out a little too far, too far as the doors close, and a rocket smacks her right in the face. Oh, no. And she, she dies. Wow. So, I, uh, yeah, I lost Tally, and I was like, ugh. Because I, I do like Tally as a character, and I, I, I didn't want her to die, but uh, I felt I had to commit to to that, so I continued on. And she was the only death I, I experienced. But, um, yeah, congratulations for keeping everybody alive. Thanks. Um, I actually have a bit of a, a different perspective on the final mission. Okay. In that I did not find it too difficult, like... I didn't find that it was like I knew that it was the the suicide mission, right? But I guess I just made all the right choices. Um, like I upgraded all the ships because I figured, okay, that's how they're gonna make some of them die if your ship isn't good. Um, and then I sent Legion through the vents. Mm-hmm. Um, I said Miranda is the team leader. Mm-hmm. I had Samara do the shield, mm-hmm. like yep. all of these things, and I got to the end, and I was, I was like, "Oh, everyone!" I kind of figured that someone would die. Okay. Uh, I guess the one thing I didn't save my crew. You monster! <laughs> because I guess I waited too long. Yeah, it's it's very brief. You have like two missions basically, um, before the crew dies. Yeah. Which is hard. So I saved Dr. Chakwa's. Oh, I think. that's good that she survived. Yeah. Yeah. See, um, when you had mentioned that you sent Jack back with the other, with the rest of the crew, mm-hmm. if if Jack's not loyal to you and you do that, she just ditches them. Oh, really? And they don't make it back. And she also dies. And only Jack. She also dies, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. So I was like, oh, no, Graham, what'd you do? <laughs> Um, cause Jack's not the best person to send back there, but no, I sent everyone on my team was loyal. Yeah. And, and I mean like for completionist playthrough, like that isn't uncommon, right? Um, yeah. So no, it makes sense. Uh, yeah. See the first time I, I played through it, I kind of knew that they would all die. Um, but I didn't know about the ship's upgrade portion. Um, and I didn't really know about all the choices that you could make. Um, I feel like they were so they were in in your case. I think I could see from your perspective that they were a little too generic. Of well, clearly Legion is the best engineer, and Samara is the most powerful biotic, and Miranda is the best leader. But if you could have made them a little bit more amb- ambiguous as to what task each person would do, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Or have enough tasks for everybody to do a bunch of things, right? Maybe yeah. maybe you have like three biotic tasks that need to get done. But you, once you choose Samara for task number one, well, task number two, you only have Thane and Miranda or whatever. You know, so your, your pool is getting lesser and lesser. Yeah, that would have been neat, but also probably a nightmare to try to design. Probably, yeah. And the game, the mission was already complex enough as it is. I really loved, like, when the engineer is crawling through the vent and you have to, like, 
do this ridiculously fast forward momentum. Yep. Like that was so cool. It's super stressful as well, especially if you're playing on a high difficulty because you're like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta kill these things quick. Gotta keep moving. Gotta keep moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and Samara when she's got the shield up and she's just like slowing down because she's so tired. Um, I love things like that where like you could see them start to get weaker and weaker as the mission progresses. Yeah. yeah. There was definitely the. I definitely enjoyed it. It was like the edge of the seat. Mm-hmm. No, it was a. Uh, it was solid. Although I didn't feel like, like the ending of the first Mass Effect was so dramatic and impactful i think because the rest of the game wasn't Mm. um and mass effect 2 almost has the opposite problem of the ending was good and like it was a neat um like a a awesome final mission but because of the rest of the game was so good too it almost gets like overshadowed Mm. interesting yeah, no, it would have been. It's it's too bad everybody survived for you, because <laughs> it's always it is kind of yeah. Because then it's you're basically getting the most generic. I mean, you're getting everything there is to offer, but your individual playthrough is going to be not as different as it could have been. Um, yeah, going forward, but um, yeah, Actually. I I I like the ending of of this game because you just see all the reapers that are just coming for you and that to me is like whoa i I love that visual and i love that little scene at the end and Mm. just the contrast to like okay you've got your crew here and for me i had a coffin in my bay at the very end and you're just looking out to because it's kind of like a stark contrast it's like okay one person here has died and it's super impactful but look at all the reapers coming to kill literally everybody Mm -hmm. oof did you did you save the um the collector base or did you destroy it? I chose to save it. Interesting. This is Why did you make that like, choice? Oh, I was thinking okay. Where I'm at like or where I was at was okay, we were we were working with Cerberus. Um the elusive man is like where we have the same goal right now. And that's a massive amount of technology mm. that we could turn in our fight against the Reaper. Okay. So I, I thought like blowing it up. Okay. But why? Mm-hmm. Like what is the advantage of blowing up the collector base instead of salvaging it? Mm-hmm. Well, especially with the human Reaper inside of it. Yeah. Like that's, that's weird that doesn't make any sense so that's something that you would want to look at and study more it was kind of like one of those where we're going at one direction and then we make a sharp 90 degree angle and we're going a different direction yeah for no reason um and i get that it was it's kind of that the elusive man stepping in one final time to try to do his own plan and you or like putting your foot down and this is I'm Shepherd and I'm doing this. Um, but I thought that like the way I'd played my Shepherd, that made more sense. Mm-hmm. 
I also saved the collector base for for similar reasons. Um, every asset against the Reapers is important. So, um, yeah, it would have been interesting if they had given you more of a reason not to do it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it's also interesting. And in, like, you basically fail your mission. Like, your mission is to save the colonists, but they're all dead at the end. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, yeah, that's the kind of thing, is that, like, yeah, you, you, you fail at your main mission. For me, I didn't save my crew, um, but you do get, you. it's the learning about the Collectors and the Protheans and the Reapers, mm-hmm. and learning that they exist and that they're coming, and although you already knew that, um... I guess that's one thing. The first game, I feel like it had a stronger overarching narrative. Yep. And the second game had a lot better of a, like, the personal, yep. like, interpersonal uh, stories. Well, that's that's just it, right? Mass Effect 1 is setting the world and it's setting the stakes. In Mass Effect 2, it's making you care, right? Mm-hmm. You're... you're beginning to care about the characters and they do that by writing them well and, and giving you decent characters and then Mass Effect 3 is well, seeing how it all <laughs> unfolds. Now that you ha- you know the stakes, you know what's going to happen and you've got people in the universe that you care about. Yeah, you have you have stakes in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real person, like, like you said, personal stakes rather than just, you know, I'm a soldier. It's, these people are my friends. Or my, mm-hmm. you know, my love, in in the case of Tally. <laughs> that's that's funny though that we seem to continue to romance the same characters. Um, yeah, but and like you, you even getting to know, like getting to go to the Krogan homeworld mm-hmm. and seeing them and mm-hmm. learning, going to Ilium and all these places, and you realize that you you kind of want to protect them. Well, it just shows you how vast the galaxy is. Yeah. You know, all the new hub worlds are all new, right? Ilium, Omega, you never heard of them before, but they've got billions of people living there. Yeah, which... If we can just kind of shift course for a moment at um, Arrival DLC. Oh, yes. So I played two DLCs. I played the Arrival DLC, and I played the Shadow Broker DLC. Mm Mm-hmm. So the Arrival DLC, kind of, like, it was decent, but it really threw me for a loop when there's there's a section in it where you have, like, the whole thing is that they have to blow up a Mass Effect um, reactor. Yep. Or Mass Effect Relay. gate. Relay. Relay. Yep. Um, and they're like, warning, if you do this, 300,000 people will die. And there's no choice. Shepard just hits the button. And I was like, this is an opportunity for a a moral choice. Mm. And it just, I felt like the game took that control away from me. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never really thought about that before. But you're right. You you basically have to um, destroy the relay um, to, buy, to buy the galaxy more time. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's uh, I can see why that would disappoint you after after coming from like the main story. Yeah, it was one of those like I understand why they did it, and it makes sense for Shepard to do it, mm-hmm. but it also felt like it, 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 I was gearing up to get ready for a moral choice. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't have one, and it was weird. Now here, but, here's a question: Would you have done it? See, that's the thing. I probably, I probably will, probably would have, mm-hmm. because it's, and like my shepherd did, try to send out a distress call. Um. So. Um. But yeah, I probably would have because otherwise, the reapers are here. Yeah. Surprise. Yep. And we're not ready for them. No. Which I wonder if that's going to be something like about the third game is getting ready for the Reaper invasion. So that that's what I'm thinking that the third game's kind of going to be about. Yeah, sorry. Actually, let's do that. Do you have other than that? So you, sorry, your prediction is that we're preparing, basically. Yeah, I'm imagining like the first half of the game, at least, is going to be gather your team to get ready to go fight the reapers or try to like like i don't even know because the reapers are just this massive destructive force that i can't i have no idea how they're going to try to combat them okay so okay interesting we'll see how that plays out yeah Yeah. and and what were your thoughts on the shadow layer of the shadow broker shadow broker was fantastic Mm-hmm. Um, like I can see why people called it like one of the best DLCs. I haven't played that many DLC, mm-hmm. um, but for me, it it felt like I was playing a Star Wars film. Interesting. Yeah. Like yeah, there was. It felt like not in the bad way, but like an, like the episode one of Star <laughs> Wars. Yeah. Um. Or episode two or whatever, where like there's a lot of witty banter and there's uh chase through the like with your floating car and you're chasing the bad guy and um it just felt like a a really fast paced adventure. Mm-hmm. Like a, a mini Mass Effect game within the the game. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, getting to see like development of Liara and going there's really cool mission going on the outside of the um the Shiloh Brokers base, which kinda reminded me of the final mission of Mass Effect One. Yes. Um, yeah. Overall, like it was a lot of fun and I I remember like making things really awkward with Liara <laughs> because I was like well, what about us? And doesn't she and get mad? Liara made. She gets a. She gets a little bit like. Well, I heard you're with Tally now. Right. Yeah. And. And what'd you say to um, that? Uh, you don't get a choice to say anything. Oh, really? Um, she just makes like a little comment about you and Tally, and see. then she's like, "We need to keep moving," and then. At the end, you have the opportunity to, to rekindle the relationship. And do you? I haven't actually 
made that choice yet. <laughs> you had to put the controller down and think about it. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I just kind of I saved the game and then I haven't gone back to it yet. So interesting. Because it's, I guess what what's tough for me in thinking about like this choice is that Tally for me is like. It's a character that, oh, I'm interested in, like, I'm interested to learn more about, that kind of thing. But hearing Liara and Shepard talk, like, on the mission, and they're bantering back and forth, and it's, it seems like a more natural relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. Well, I mean, Liara is, like, she's an adult, basically, like, compared to, comparatively to you. To her people, she's young. But Tali is, like, really young. Like, she's more of, like, a like 20-year-old kid, basically. So she's kind of caught up on this grand adventure with this handsome man. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. Liara has seen the universe a little bit, and she knows more about it. She's a bit... And with her position now as, as the Shadow Broker, she's got a lot of on her shoulders as well, and, and she can share that with Shepard, so... Yeah. So it's, uh... It's a choice I'll have to make before we start the third one. Yes, absolutely. One way or the other. So. Mm-hmm. A couple things we didn't cover. Uh, great opening. Yes. Yes. Yeah, very... Very... Uh... Emotional. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fairly impactful, especially after having played the first game. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think I mentioned it, but I played the second game like a few years back, like this one, a few years back, without playing the first one. And I played like 10 hours of it. A good chunk of that time was scanning planets. <laughs> um, and I stopped playing it. And I don't know why now, like looking back. But yeah. So where would we rank this game on the scale? It's sitting about like a Kanji or a Yukiko for me. Okay. I'd give it a Nanako. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a very good game. Yeah. Like it's continually surprising and yeah. Fond memories. Yeah. Well, like I mean it it, yeah. it does the adventure part so well. It's just and again, it's it's fun, you know. It's it, yeah, it is a genuinely fun game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Couldn't recommend it enough. So yeah, it definitely comes to the a high recommendation for me. Um, but I th- I think I'd probably stick with the kanji or Yukiko. That's fair. Uh, That's fair. I can't remember what our ranking system. I think kanji's pretty near the top. Kan- kanji's the highest, and like Nanako is like the the super high right okay She's like yeah. the 11 out of 10 yeah uh, yeah so it's a chie it's chie teddy yosuke risei nato yukiko kanji are the main grid then fox is like you suck <laughs> and uh nanako is we love you and you can do no wrong yes yeah. i mean i it can, i guess mass effect 2 did do a little thing a few things wrong here or there but uh I still love it nonetheless. So, yeah, overall, it's a fantastic game. Yeah, 
Um, yeah. yeah. Well, Graham, I'm really looking forward to Mass Effect 3. Yes, we'll be covering that. Well, we'll be starting that in a couple weeks from this recording. Yeah, it'll probably come out a month after this one, which is long to you, but yeah, it, it goes by fast, trust us. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to taking a bit of a break mm-hmm, from it, mm-hmm. because, like after the first one, I was just like, okay, let's get into the second one right away. After this one, I'm like, okay, I, I can give it a bit of a, a bit of a rest. And that's probably for the best, because I would say two and three are quite similar in in gameplay. Um, like they don't really change things up a whole lot. Um, like the 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 structure is different. But uh, the gameplay is the same. So if you're kind of a little bit done with the third-person combat, it's, it, it doesn't hurt to take a break. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um, what do we play next? What do they have to look forward to? Next up is, I believe we're doing Persona 4 Dancing All Night. Yes, that's correct. That's next. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, we have to... Because we lost those Mass Effect recordings, we had to really throw around the schedule. <laughs> but yeah, so we're back on track now. Mm-hmm. And uh, next, not next week, but the week after, we'll be doing Persona 4 Dancing All Night, which is totally different from Mass Effect 2. Very different. Mm-hmm. Well, until next time, everybody, thanks again for listening. Check us out on Facebook, on the Pinecast, on the Googles, on the iTunes. Give us a comment. Give us a game suggestion if you'd like. Tell us what you want us to play. As long as it's not expensive, we'll probably do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you very much for listening. Until next time, everybody. See ya.